0: Let's start the show. Hello. This is a podcast about betting on sports, which is something you can do to try and make money. One important thing to know is that this podcast is not going to be the reason you get rich from betting on sports. To repeat, we're not going to get you rich. There are sleazeballs abound all over the Internet. I'll be happy to take your money to chase down that lie. Here, at best, we might make you a little bit less awful of a better if you're lucky bet at your own risk don't bet more than you can afford to lose and godspeed let's start the
1: show mr Swah. hello there rob how was your uh, labor day weekend
0: i'm happy to report it was excellent it was actually pretty trashy i found myself on a boat tied to other boats on a man-made <laughs> lake in arizona so um nice. thumbs up from
1: my end how about you it's very good um Pretty uh, low-key, had some family time, watched some high school football, which was great, um, and then had some high school buddies who called me at like 9 p.m. on Sunday when I was just going to have like a really low-key evening and ended up just going to the local bar and, you know, ended up going home and playing FIFA, which was pretty legendary. Uh, so it was a very uh, eventful weekend, last weekend before football, uh, in full swing, so it was, it was, uh, nice and, and low key. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but I'm excited to not have to interact with friends or family for the foreseeable future with full, uh, football coming up. So I'm glad we, we crossed those things off the list and can focus on, you know, the important things in life. So. Yeah, that, that sounds really healthy, man. That's good. <laughs> yeah, but, um, in all seriousness, I've gotten some, some good feedback from some people we know and, and some, some buddies I have about the podcast and the progress we're making and, and we appreciate all that feedback. Uh, once again, we just, we, we encourage feedback. What you want to hear about, uh, you know, what you want to learn more about. This isn't, this podcast is not supposed to answer your, all your questions about gambling. This is really supposed to kind of like ignite your interest in it. And we want, I'll speak for myself. I want you to reach out to me and ask, Ask me fancy questions. Talk to me about your fantasy team. I know everyone kind of jokes about, <laughs> you know, they don't want to hear about your fantasy team, but I, I do absolutely love it. And just, you know, learning more about the industry. And, um, you know, this is uh, a big year. I think Indiana is just the 13th state to take, accept bets, which is, which is really weird to say, given that they gave us uh, our vice pre- uh, president. But, uh, yeah, they're more progressive than, than this, you know, Maryland and some of the other states I live around, but that's for another day. And, uh, yeah. So like I said, keep the feedback coming in. We appreciate all the support. Um, hopefully we're going to have this up on iTunes. If not the next podcast, the one after. So trying to make moves and, and really just kind of get you ready for football season. But, uh, did you catch any college football this weekend, Rob?
0: No, I didn't. Actually, I caught the end of. Who was it? Auburn, Oregon. That was pretty cool. Oh, um, man. I was at a house party with a guy who really, really cared. Shout out to that guy who went to Texas Tech and really <laughs> cared about that. Um, no, cool end of the game though. Like pretty exciting. True freshman thing. I like that.
1: Yeah, that was so Pac twelve, the the way they just choked that game away. And <laughs> and uh I mean if you if you uh, went to school in Lubbock, you know. Don't judge somebody who had to you know, spend four years of their prime in Lubbock. Okay. That's, that's pretty rough, but, uh, yeah, college football is back and, and their crazy fan bases are back. I actually only had one bet this weekend. It lost. I took, uh, the La Tech Bulldogs against the Texas Longhorns and, uh, Texas looked good, but this weekend they're playing in one of the biggest games against LSU. They're almost a touchdown underdog, which is really absurd. Um, even I'm not big on Ellis or excuse me on Texas this year, but that's really saying something given that LSU, I think they opened up a four point favorite and now they're almost up to a full touchdown here recording Wednesday night. So it'd be interesting to see where that line falls. And then obviously watching the game, but um, there's a lot of hype coming in on the Tigers. Um, SEC as a whole didn't have the best weekend, but you know, everyone likes to take shots at, at the uh, the best conference. So it's pretty, pretty natural. But, yeah, and then Clemson, Texas A&M, speaking of the SEC taking on uh, really the ACC's only real program with Clemson, that will be a big game as well. So uh, it will be interesting to get a little bit more data and whatnot. Like I, I've said previously, the first, first three weeks really to me, I, I don't have a lot of, of bets. I kind of just watch the games, and I'll do some live betting. But I really go into it with the intent of just watching the games, digesting the games, because even a half of football, there's there's a lot of randomness involved, and it's hard to know if it's team A is playing well, or if it's because team B, or if it's just a you know a game one jitters thing. So I try not to take too much from a one game sample size. But about week three, you start making some conclusions on teams and whatnot, and then you get into conference play when when you got three three games of data on both teams and you can start drawing a lot more conclusions that you want to put a little bit more money behind. Uh But that's pretty much it with college football. I'm excited to, uh to check them out. Maybe you'll, you'll check one of those games out this weekend, Rob, and, and we'll get your uh, feedback. If you're lucky, dude. <laughs> well, now that we've talked about those, those pesky amateurs, it's time for uh the real deal. Your favorite, Rob, the national football league and all you, you Goodell lovers out there. Uh, although we are pretty much the problem that the NFL has turned into what it is now, fantasy and the sports betting community. Uh, As much as we like to troll it, it is it is there's nothing like the NFL in this in this country. It uh makes you know I don't want to say rational people, but it makes people become very irrational and, uh, you know, tribalism and just fun things like that, whereas people like myself just try to make money off the sport. And I I do enjoy watching it, but I have family members who are, you know, diehard, even still Redskins fans, even though they hate the ownership, but they say that football has just been ruined given the commercialism, blah, blah, blah. But such is life in in, in this uh, glorious country of ours, but that's for another day. I know you're excited for the NFL, Rob. How, how are you uh, celebrating your first Sunday with the NFL this weekend?
0: Um, I'm celebrating it by going to a financial conference that's actually in <laughs> <at> Scottsdale. <laughs> um, I, there will be football watch, let's be real. It's a bunch of like, you know, dudes with money coming into Scottsdale to talk about <laughs> finance and technology and something. So surely there will be like um, football-adjacent talks. So being prepared for that really critical for me. I, I do agree with you that tribalism is, is important. I think uh, a lot of people would be murdering each other and <laughs> uh, like blowing up their neighbors' houses if they didn't have the NFL to like <laughs> scream at their
1: television or whatever. So I support Ab- that. Absolutely. It, it definitely does fill a need in our society. And, and like I said, the fact that you can gamble and it just, you know, it's a, it's a double win. But uh, all sarcasm aside, um, the National Football League, it is It's is fun. Uh, just a couple of, of betting kind of overviews. Uh, I got some feedback last week They people enjoyed kind of my college football overview where I introduced people to the concept of those 18 to 23 year old amateurs and the randomness that they have. Uh, so just kind of a, an overview for the NFL. It is the most efficient market. It has the most money in it. You get the most money you can get down. I actually just looked at one of the newest sports books in Las Vegas and they're accepting $20,000 bets on game day. Um, During the week, it's up to, like, 5,000. I think by Saturday, it's 10,000. But that kind of just shows you, echoes what we were talking about, of how, as it gets closer to kickoff, the market just gets even more and more efficient. And if you were to just wake up on Sunday mornings and and bet uh, at National Football League games, you know, if you could hit over 50%, you would be uh, pretty much one of the best in the world. So... Knowing that, knowing it's so sharp, uh, why do people still bet it? And maybe how can we use that to our advantage? The first thing is why people bet it is because it's, it's the most recreationally bet sport in, in the United States and it's not even close. It's really the only, uh, market that the public, so the average Joe, affects what the point spread is. If you look at more niche things like, uh, baseball, and college basketball, things of that nature, they don't nearly get uh, influenced by the public market as much as the National Football League does every weekend. You'll get like March Madness for college basketball, but even then, it's still very uh, sharp professional money that's dictating those markets. Uh, but here, we get a little bit of public influence, but the the real money comes in and corrects it pretty pretty quickly. So the uh, two things that that I recommend to people is is don't just bet against the spread traditional against the spread uh bets because like I said it is so sharp uh, evidence for that is if anyone's fans of the old part of my take podcast they had a a goldfish that entered the Las Vegas Westgate Super Bowl Contest and I think it placed in the top 40 or top 50 and obviously this fish would just, you know, randomly go to the left side or the right side to pick a team. And it, because the lines were so sharp and just randomness played out that way, the goldfish finished in the top 50 of a, you know, a thousand entry tournament. So it's just showing you, you're up against very steep odds trying to, to bet against the spread. Some other ways to bet, you can bet divisions, which is like a, a futures market so that's betting maybe division winners conference winners Super Bowl winners uh, you can do preseason over unders which we'll get to when we preview each conference um, and those are a little bit I don't, I don't never want to say easy but definitely easier to beat than those those individual games um, there's also second halves you can bet live betting which essentially anytime you're giving the the odds makers less time to move, get uh the lines giving them less time to uh you know take in information and change their um, their lines the the on average easier it is going to be to beat um, another way to do it is also to bet kind of a week ahead so for example you see the line moves all week all week for week one. Right before week one's games go off, you take that information and you bet week two's um, games before week one's games go off. Because once week one's games go off and then, you know, maybe one team has a really good game, then the whole market's going to change after that. Um, and it's kind of a higher level concept that we're kind of just trying to introduce now. And we'll revisit with examples uh, as the year goes on. But um, those are just kind of the higher level concepts. Uh, that we kind of want to introduce. So that one
0: is, that one in particular is on, you know, a Friday or Saturday, you see a, a line move for one team versus another team. And instead of following that line into that game, you're extrapolating forward a week or a couple weeks on their future games, understanding that the sharpness of that short term movement is likely to affect their future outcomes, right? So you're putting a lot of faith in the movement of a line to one way or another, the short-term movement. You're like, okay, this is likely to be smart money, likely to be really efficient. Let's take that
1: out a little further in time because if it's true Mm -hmm. now, it should be true in a week. Exactly. And, of course, we're always subject to catastrophic injury or, you know, whatever may happen in that game. But way more likely than not, yeah, exactly, we're going to take that. Uh, knowledge that the market is giving us, because once again, we're respecting the marketplace. We're saying, okay, the marketplace, we're treating it as, as you know, gospel, if you will. So if I'm going to jump in on this bet that, you know, it just moved two points on a Friday and a Saturday, realistically, if I bet it now, most of the value is already gone. So instead of chasing a, a negative expected value play, let me take that information and apply it to next week's game before that week's, uh, market has changed, so like I said that 's kind of a higher level concept and it'll be easier once we have an example uh, a couple of examples and whatnot, but it 's just something we kind of want to introduce so that uh, when it does come up and it 's a little bit easier to, to understand when we have that transparent example so we'll we'll definitely be uh introducing that but uh it's a good point i'm glad you raised that question. Uh, Another way you can bet is with with prop bets. That's also season-long bets, but also uh, game-to-game. It's player prop bets. So I have a couple that I'll share once we get to my bets when we go over the conferences. But uh, a lot of times that's over-under for rushing yards or passing yards for the individual player. And a lot of times there's, there's theory behind that in terms of maybe someone being benched or injuries, things of that nature. And, and I'll talk about the two that I, I have bet already and and I'm going to talk about the player or excuse me, the player props for individual games. You're not going to be able to get as much money down. So if you're just strictly a recreational player, you know, getting a couple hundred dollars down is going to be no problem, but being able to scale that, at least in 2019, you're not going kind to of be able to do that too much. But God willing, in a couple of years, that marketplace will get bigger as well. Uh, but just something, just different ways you can bet rather than these, you know, the traditional, hey, we got the Steelers and the Patriots, it's five and a half. Um, you know, it's just, you, you're going up against the hardest thing in American sports to do. Uh, that being said, you know, good luck, go after it. But the way I attack the NFL, I... Uh, I have 28 fantasy football teams, obviously all for money. I do daily fantasy, which we're going to talk about at the end of the show. And then I do – I bet a lot of NFL futures, which we'll talk about. And then I do maybe one to two NFL bets usually per week, Yeah, ATS. So, if you know, that's how I approach the NFL. If you were just wanting to bet either college football or the NFL, if you're starting from scratch, I would highly recommend starting with college football. It's easier to beat in a more traditional way. Um, but this is kind of how my circle of competence has come out uh with the fantasy side of things and the futures and the live betting things of that nature. But just kind of wanted to give an overall view of, of betting the NFL. Uh, does anything jump out to you other than that kind of uh, terminology we, we talked about briefly? What is ATS? Against the spread. So against the spread. So, uh, a money line bet would be if you're just picking team A or team B to win against the spread is where they have to beat that number or cover that number. Work. And it's really just a de facto power ranking. You know, it's it's including the home field advantage, but, you know, the the Patriots and the the Steelers game, if you take the three points we're just going to say for home field advantage, it's saying that the New England Patriots are two and a half points better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, they're that's what they are. Or, so, yep. All right, great. So now we've talked enough about it. Let's go ahead and, and look at the uh, AFC preview, uh, starting with the AFC East. Uh, I'm going to go out here on a limb and have some breaking news here, but the New England Patriots are the favorites to win this division. They're an up-and-coming team. Now, they've obviously owned this division. Um, They are heavy favorites for good reason. They lose Gronk Kowski at tight end, but they have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, um, who you know are just pretty much cheat codes. The biggest thing for the Patriots is I don't think they're the best team in the AFC or the NFL, but their division is just so relatively weak. If you look at the, they have the New York Jets, the Buffalo Bills, and the Miami Dolphins in their division. The Miami Dolphins are actively tanking, which I actually applaud. I think that's a, it's a good thing. There's like, uh, if you look on Twitter, hashtag fish tank, things of that nature. They just gave the Texans, like, you know, three of their best players for, you know, a bunch of draft picks, which I think is smart. Maybe that's just, uh, you know, being raised a Redskins fan, and they've been in 8-8 purgatory for 20 years. But if you're not competing for a championship, you should be rebuilding so you can compete for a championship. And the Dolphins are kind of looking at, like, let's let Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, you know, inch towards retirement so we can then maybe have a chance at, you know, making the playoffs. Um, as for the Jets, they brought in a lot of talent this year, but they had a, a front office hire with Adam Gase, and they just don't really have a good culture for winning. Uh, their talent's not necessarily terrible, but it would really just take a huge leap from them to, to compete with the Patriots. The Bills actually have a pretty solid culture. They have pretty good defense as well, really good home field advantage. They just don't have the skill positions on offense to really compete with the Patriots. Um, so what this enables is the Patriots to kind of use almost half the season as preseason, try out players, try out positions, and then kind of just you know make their annual playoff run in, in January. So I'd be shocked if the Pats didn't win this division. Uh, if I had to pick one team to, to, that could beat them would be the bills, I guess, but um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I do have three bets in this division. The first is I have the Patriots to win the Super Bowl at ten to one. I put two and a half units on that. I got this uh the weekend before the Super Bowl last year <coughs> and the whole reason for that was just knowing their their division they you know they're almost always gonna get the one or the two seed in the playoffs, and that gets you a buy. And, you know, once you get that far in the playoffs, there's only two two games until the Super Bowl, so you can kind of hedge out profit from there. The other two bets I have is Le'Veon Bell under 1,175.5 rushing yards. I have that for two units. Le'Veon Bell just signed with the Jets. He's going to get a ton of snaps, but there's so many ways this bet wins. Uh, First of all, he just missed a year from the NFL or sitting out. So you don't know how he's going to respond. You know, his body just got a year off from getting destroyed, you know, on a constant basis. Um, You have him switching from the Steelers, which is one of the most stable organizations in, uh, in the national football league to the jets, which are one of the least stable. Then you also have the fact that not only the stability, but they're a step down in class. They're just not as good as the Steelers. And you don't run the ball to win you, you run the ball when you're winning so the key here is that it's the bet is rushing yards so he can catch all the passing yards he wants and he's gonna he's a great receiver but a lot of times you rack up rushing yards when you're protecting the lead and the Jets are are two and a half they're expected to have two uh, less wins than the, uh, than the Steelers. So, kind of just game theory, the game situations they're gonna be in are gonna be much less run heavy. And then finally, he plays running back, and he could get hurt at any moment. So, uh, three people the last two years, th- three people each year have gotten over that rushing amount. So, and he is one of them. He did with the Steelers two years ago. But, there's so many things that have to go right that, hey, if he beats me, he beats me. But it only just takes one of those ways, uh, for my bet to cash. The other bet I have is Sony Michelle, the running back for the Patriots, under 1120, uh, .5 rushing yards. The reason I like this is he actually has had major knee surgery, and Bill Belichick, uh, last year sat him just for three games, kinda, they had a softer part of their schedule, and he just sat him for three games, knowing to kinda rest him up for the, the playoffs and whatnot, and it was kinda midseason. And it's kind of similar to Le'Veon Bell here where uh, the Patriots, they don't play to – I don't want to say they don't play to win every game, but they understand it's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, they have tons of running backs. And Bill Belichick will bench this guy just for, you know, for every, any reason he wants. So there's so many ways that that one wins as well. Um, so, yeah, those are my bets in the AFC East. Uh, moving to the AFC North. Uh, so the teams in the AFC North here are the Baltimore Ravens, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cleveland Browns, and the Cincinnati Bengals. A lot of people think this is a two-horse race between the Steelers and the Browns, but the Baltimore Ravens have been they've been one of the most consistent franchises over the past two decades, uh, and they start with two very winnable games. They start at the Miami Dolphins, who are going to be the worst team in football this year, and then they host the Arizona Cardinals, who were the worst team last year. So they, they start 2-0 like 75% of the time. <clears throat> the, the Steelers and the Browns, they're solid teams, but they're not light years ahead of the, the Ravens like the odds portray. Uh, the Browns are kind of notoriously America's team uh but they play a very front loaded schedule and they play on national television 3 of the first 5 weeks of the season so i mean they've gone from the laughing stock of football for the last 20 years to now everyone's expecting them to be so great and on paper they are don't get me wrong but uh the nfl is and its randomness is is you know a lot of times it's hard to go from you know the the basement to you know Competing. And, and they weren't terrible last year. They, I think they ended up right around 500 last year, but they have a first year coach. They have expectations. It's just it's tough to win in the NFL. Uh, and then finally, the, the Bengals are rebuilding. They've got a new coach, but they just don't have the horses to make any, any real noise. And the Steelers, they, they lost a lot of production with, you know, Antonio Brown last year. Uh, their quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, is always a liability to be hurt. I really am surprised he's still playing. Um, but it's definitely a more of a three-team race than a two-team race. So the only bet I have in this division is the Ravens to win the division at 4-1. to one. And I'm hoping that the Browns start maybe slow or the Steelers start slow, and then I can take them. And then the third team I'll take later in the year if they're in you know, in, in contention. And I can hedge out probably a one to a one and a half unit profit because I'm expecting the Ravens to be two and oh so many times. Uh, finally, or excuse me, not finally, but the, for the AFC South, um, I have some, some bets I made before Andrew Luckman his retirement. But hey, you know, that's how things go. I have the Colts to win the division at, uh, even odds, so one-to-one one odds. Uh, since he's <laughs> announced his retirement, they're at like three-to-one odds. Uh, the other bet I have is the Houston Texans to win eight, eight eight and a half under uh, wins. So under eight and a half wins. Um, I got that at a pretty good price, but now it's actually a worse number. So I got it at minus 130. Now it's minus 110. Um, but the Texans, not only did Andrew Luck get hurt, but then the Texans just traded half of their like draft capital the next two years. They, tra- they traded their two first-round picks and a second-rounder and a fourth-rounder uh, all for pieces this year to compete. So kind of just sold out their whole f- future f- to win this year, which kind of is bad for my bet. But I still think the Texans uh, have tons of holes. I don't like their coach. Their defense is really overrated. Uh, the, the Colts shouldn't be totally counted out. Jacoby Brissett is not a terrible quarterback. They have talent on both sides of the ball. The Jaguars should not be uh, forgotten. It's two years ago. They almost went to the Super Bowl. Uh, their defense is still have, has tons of talent. And they added Nick Foles. Uh, and it's also kind of like last year was kind of like a, a dose of, of humble pie. G- Jalen Ramsey and a lot of those guys on defense, they've kind of known for talking a lot of shit, and they were kind of embarrassed last year, and you know maybe that's what they needed to take their step uh, forward. But Nick Foles will definitely help that offense. And finally, the the Titans are are just kind of a a team with the smallest, maybe the smallest range of outcomes in the NFL. They don't have quarterback play. They can run the ball. They have a pretty decent defense, but, I mean, they're like 6-10 to 8-8, Eighty to ninety percent of the time, so um, I'd be would be shocked if they made the playoffs. The one thing about this division is I, I think only one team is going to get in, and the, if the one team will probably win the division and be the four seed, so which is the lowest seed that you can be as a division winner. One thing I forgot to mention about the AFC North is I I, I see two teams coming out of there to make playoffs, if not three teams. So that's the Browns, uh, Bang- Browns Ravens or Steelers. Two of those three, I'd be shocked if they didn't make the playoffs, and I see scenarios in which all three make them. Uh, finally, the AFC West, the bets I have in this division. Uh, I have the Chiefs to win the AFC at 6-1. to one. Uh, And then I also have the Chiefs to win the division at minus 125. I put 8.75 units down uh, for that. And then I also took the charge to win the division at plus 220. I put 4.5 units on the Chargers to do that. So, obviously, those two um, are mutually exclusive. So, if the Chiefs win, I get 2.5 units of profit. If the Chargers win, I get one unit of profit. And then if the Broncos or the Raiders win, I find the closest bridge to me and hop off of it. Uh, But In all (laughs) all seriousness, uh, really, the only way those these two teams don't win. It is if there's catastrophic injuries for Patrick Mahomes and Philip Rivers, and if, if something were to happen where one of those two quarterbacks got hurt, I would just take the Broncos, who's the only team I could see actually winning this division if that were to happen, and I would just hedge out of my my uh, position there and maybe lose a, a little bit of money. But pretty much the only way that happens is Rivers and Mahomes, you know, both get into an uh, you know ca- catastrophic. Uh, injury the same weekend and I'm not able to do that, which just happens so, just almost never happens. So, uh, but the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC talent wise. They just play a much tougher schedule than the Pats. Uh, the Chargers are a solid team and they'd be a favorite in, in pretty much every other division except for the AFC East and this division. Uh, they don't have a home field advantage though because they play in a soccer stadium in LA. Uh, but they they don't have the same offensive playmakers also as the Chiefs, but they do have a better defense than the Chiefs. Denver has talent and a really good home field advantage, but they have Joe Flacco as a quarterback, and they got him for a fourth rounder, so that just shows me the league. No one else in the league offered more than a fourth rounder for him, so that just tells me that there's enough talent evaluators in the league that if somebody isn't offering more than a fourth rounder for a starting quarterback, he's just he's washed up. Uh, and then the Raiders are just an absolute mess. They're on HBO. They're just looking to move to Vegas. Um, but, yeah, so that, that's the AFC. Did anything other than the, maybe the bridge comment jump out to you, no pun intended, uh, yeah. when we going over the, the AFC? Um,
0: I wondered when you are talking about teams that are bad or teams that have tight range of outcomes. You mentioned the Titans, are there effective ways that you think about betting on a team to fail, betting on a team to you know fit within that tight range, or is it like you know not enough not enough uh, squeeze on a bet for you know the Titans
1: to win between six and ten games? yeah, well, to, I think answer your question with that uh it got a lot murkier once the Colts much Andrew luck retired, and there's no dominant team in their division. So, although they have a smaller range of outcomes, there is one where because I'm not high on the Texans, the Colts obviously and they they don't have their star quarterback, and the Jaguars could also fall off the map. That it, almost the Titans win by default. Uh, but I was definitely looking at them at, earlier in the year to bet against them. It's just a really tough team to get a read on. I know a team I looked at was like the Bengals and the AFC North. They're clearly going to be the fourth team in that division, um, but. There's certain scenarios where, you know, an injury happens to one of the three quarterbacks for the other teams or, you know, just one. It, it, it's very hard because there is so much parity in the NFL to go on these limbs that, uh, I'd rather go with the teams that I are com- I'm confident that are going to be good because really winning six games in the NFL is, is almost a given. Like you almost have to like either you get unlucky, which obviously happens or you, um, you know, you're just, team is just absolute dog shit to to not win six games in the nfl i mean the the difference between the fifth team and the the 25th team in the nfl is so small i don't i really don't think the average person realizes how small the difference is between those two um but yeah i think that's a good question i I hope that answers it it was a good question though All right, well, we'll move on to the old, old NFC preview. Uh Rob, do you even know the, the difference between the AFC and the NFC? Yeah, the NFC doesn't have
0: uh designated hitters, so <laughs> you're welcome.
1: I know. We're, we're going to definitely have a, a quiz for Rob on, like, NFL logos and stuff. It's going to be good.
0: Um, logos <laughs> I got. The Raiders are in Las Vegas. <laughs> designated LA, hitters. D8s yes.
1: are all around. Yes. <laughs> Alright. Well moving on to the NFC. Uh starting the NFC East, so like i mentioned I, I was raised a Redskins fan, um uh, could care less about them uh now. But uh That's this, not that's- true. I just want the the listeners <sighs> to understand that Jay like He's
0: going to put on this act for the entirety of this podcast and maybe the rest of his life, but he, he definitely cares. Just I could do,
1: do a podcast on the Washington Redskins and what, yeah, but anyways. uh, But a big part of my handicapping theory is, is kind of identifying your circle of competence and my circle of, of competence, the nucleus of it is the Redskins and really the NFC East just growing up w- watching the Redskins a lot. And as much as I do hate the team and really the ownership uh, the Redskins are extremely predictable. They're just, they just—they really are. They're terrible on on prime time. They—they they fold every year. Um, but they're really going to be bad this year. They already have their their star lineman is uh, essentially protesting. He's holding out. It's not for like a new contract. He just hates the medical staff and how the medical staff is, has like treated his rehab. And it's pretty funny. I mean, you have like some of his, his teammates wearing his jersey. As like you know, kind of like support and things of that nature. I mean, it's just a total dysfunctional organization. Um, so what the biggest bet I have this year? Uh, well, actually, it's two units, so it's tied for the biggest bet. But I should have put more on this. Is under six and a half wins for the Redskins. Um, I will. I will give. If somebody retweets our next our next episode, uh, and the Redskins win more than six and a half games, I will. I will send. Uh, I, I will send some thing to to everyone who retweets the next episode i'll just put it that way i'm very confident in this bet uh don't want to say lock never want to say lock but i will be super super surprised if the redskins uh win more than six and a half games uh they're they're just an absolute joke of a franchise uh the other two bets i have for this division is i have the eagles to win the division uh one-to-one odds i actually have i think the eagles are the best team in the nfc Culture is pretty much the, they're the opposite of the Redskins. Uh, they have a great uh, winning culture, good ownership. Uh, the coach has a very aggressive style, and it's funny because their linebacker, who was with the Redskins last year, Zach Brown, who actually went to my uh, my, my rival high school, uh, he was a hell of a running back back then. But um, he. Sign with the Eagles, and he just said the mentality is a hunt, it's just a complete 180s flip from the Redskins, which I thought was interesting. And my, my dad, uh, when he saw that quote, thought it was really interesting. And yeah, he loves the Chola skins too. So it's, it's, well, we bond over it. We bond over it. Anyways, uh, so I, I really like the Eagles this year. I have them, like I said, to, to win the division. I also have them to make the playoffs at minus 190. Uh, I'm looking to bet the Eagles midseason to win the, the NFC championship and the Super Bowl. I'm waiting to, s- to see Carson Wentz's health. That's the only question mark with the Eagles. He's their quarterback. He's a st- he's a star, but he hasn't fully come back from his injury from two years ago. So I'm kind of waiting on that. Also, the Cowboys have a really easy early schedule. And the Cowboys are a decent team, but their ceiling is limited just because Dak Prescott, he can't. He just isn't the upper echelon quarterback. He's, he's good and he was really good last year with Amari Cooper. But, um, they're, they're just, their floor is really high because they can run really well. I mean, they, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they, they win nine games this year. And, and another reason for that is that the Giants and Redskins who are in their division are, are so terrible. But, uh, the Eagles just have that next level with Wentz's throwing ability and, and uh, just overall talent that, that the Eagles have in depth. Uh, But moving to the NFC North, I don't have any bets in this division. Uh, This division has uh, many question marks as the Bears came out of nowhere to run away with this division last year. Kind of this year, the big question is how will they respond with the expectations? Uh, They only had five draft picks last year, and they had none in the first two rounds, and they have a much tougher schedule. Uh, The Packers, they get a new coach, but uh, will he mesh with uh, the snobby Aaron Rodgers? And also, will their defense improve? and then finally the vikings they're they're probably the best team in the division on paper but can kurt cousins win the big games uh he's just got like a terrible record against teams with winning records and uh you know he just he, he flops a lot he really does i love kurt but, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of bad. As for the Lions, they're just kind of trash. And Matt Patricia, their coach, unless they have a great year, he really should be let go. He's trying to, like, establish a run-first offense. And, he, I don't know, Matt Stafford is just, like, very confused there. Poor guy's just been, like, in, in purgatory uh, up in Detroit. <laughs> Boy, just like this southern frat bro's uh, been trapped in Detroit for over a decade. But uh, <laughs> frat Stafford for all you uh you know keeping track at home uh next the NFC South really I don't have any bets in here either the big thing here is Cam Newton's injury uh like his health in general it's kind of holding this division hostage uh Carolina's offense could be top 5 with Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel I mean those three guys are as explosive as anybody in the league but you need a healthy quarterback um Cam's Cam's I think 10th year in the league he's had Major sh- surgery twice on his shoulder. He's he's gotten beaten up over the years. Uh, it just throws such a wrench into things. If he were healthy, uh, I would I would look to bet against the Saints. Actually, if, if I could take um, the field to win the division against the Saints, I would do that because I would be higher on the Panthers and higher on the Falcons. Um, you know, three years ago, the, the Falcons almost won the Super Bowl. Um, their offense has been the most as consistent as almost any in the league. Uh, and they've drastically improved their offensive line over the offseason. Uh, but it's kind of all contingent on the, the Panthers being able to, uh, be that third, uh, contender in this division. Uh, the Saints are the deserved favorite, but Drew Brees, his stats from the second half last year were very, very concerning. Uh, at his age, it's, it's a, you know, legitimate question how long he can come up, or, you know, have these, uh, elite quarterback expectations. Uh, and finally, there's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are just a funny, funny team. Uh, they they pretty much a fantasy football team's dream. Their defense is absolutely terrible. They don't have a running game, so they just kind of have Jameis Winston uh, just chucking it back there and just having a lot of fun. He's playing for a contract, too, so I kind of want to see. I mean, Jameis is just a, a YouTube sensation for, for his antics and whatnot, but he does sling the ball. Uh they, they do have Bruce Arias uh coming in uh and he, you know, we know somebody who works in the Cardinals industry uh, our uh team and everyone loves him. So maybe he'll kinda help change the culture. But as far as talent, uh, they just don't have it, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh and then finally the NFC West. I don't have any bets in this division either. Uh the Rams are the favorite and for good reason they did play the Super Bowl last year but uh, I think they're due for some regression I know that Rams just gave their quarterback Jared Goff an extension but I really don't I don't uh see him I, being that good of a quarterback I really don't I just think Sean McVay their coach is that good um that's also Sean McVay used to be the offensive coordinator for the Redskins that so we let go uh I'm slightly down on the Rams I'm also ju- I'm not really high on the Seahawks or the Forty ers either. I mean the Seahawks they have Russell Wilson, um, and he's an absolute competitor. Ninety five percent of the league would, would trade for him as a quarterback in a heartbeat, but they do have some holes on the offensive line. They did just add to their defense, but um uh, they were really fortunate. They had they had positive fumble luck last year and, and some other stat, uh statistics that are kind of point- mean for them to be regress a little bit but like i said russell wilson is an absolute animal uh the niners bring back jimmy g he, he was lost in week two last year he's a quarterback uh, and he should make some major strides with with kyle shanahan jr who's a really bright offensive mind who the redskins also let go uh but you know how much of a jump they were four and twelve last year how much of a jump can they are they expected to make and then the Cardinals, they're, they're going to be like a video game. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who is Texas Tech's former coach, he kind of gets to the trial year this year with Kyler Murray, the, uh, human highlight reel Heisman winner last year. They're implementing the air raid offense into the NFL. So, I mean, they're probably going to be getting blown out a lot, but they're just going to be chucking the ball. Uh, I have so much fantasy invested in this. Like I, so much of Kyler Murray, so much of Christian Kirk. David Johnson, uh if the Cardinals just absolutely do nothing this year, I will be very surprised and broke uh from that <laughs> side of things. But as far as them actually competing and in, in you know winning games, that I don't think that should be the expectation this year, but I think they will be an absolute blast to watch. Um so yeah, not a lot of bets. I uh, kind of want to see how the season goes before I'm investing in anything like that. But the biggest takeaway from the NFC would would definitely be the Eagles. I think are are the best team. And, uh, I'd probably say the Saints after that if I had to, but, uh, I think the Eagles are the best team here. Anything jump out to you from the old, uh, designated hitter friendly NFC? No,
0: I'm sad for, I'm sad for Frat Stafford. Also, 10 years of Cam Newton. It was 10 years ago that we watched him in the national championship game. That feels offensive and wrong.
1: Yeah, dude, I had a flight during that game, and the captain was, like, updating us. He was flying to Arizona, and I think the game was in Arizona. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's wild, isn't it? Uh, that had to have been 2010, right? Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I guess nine years then, but, yeah, still, I guess this is growing up, dude. I guess this is it. <laughs> uh, without further ado, you want to talk a little about fantasy? Let's do it, dude. All right. So, unfortunately, in, in your fantastic state it is not legal. But uh if you've seen FanDuel or DraftKings commercials and wondered kind of what they are, I have an article going up uh on my website kind of introducing you to to uh the world of daily fantasy sports, how it compares to uh traditional fantasy sports, you know, what makes it different, what you know, better, worse, things of that nature. Essentially, uh, early this decade, so when Cam Newton was, uh, you know, down on the plains there in Auburn, uh, daily fantasy exploded. It's really just an accelerated version of fantasy sports. Uh, traditional fantasy football, it took the entire season. So in August, you'd have a draft and then from September, October, November, December, you'd manage your teams. You'd pick up players during the week. You'd make trades. You'd have to start certain people. Uh, and kind of like somewhere along the way, people kind of got tired of the season long commitment. And some of that is also due to falling victim to, to randomness with injuries, which I can attest to. It is very frustrating when you have a really good team and then five of your players get hurt and then you're just kind of fucked. Um, but that's kind of where I, why Daily Fantasy was created. Instead of there being a draft, every single player is made available and given a salary for that game. So just for that week. Um, So, you're, you know, for example, this Sunday, you're going to make, you're going to create a lineup just for Sunday's games. That's it. Uh, And each fantasy manager is given the same salary allotment uh, with the goal of getting the most points possible. So, the points are awarded just like in traditional fantasy. So, you'll get points for like touchdowns, yards gained, things of that nature. Um, And what's kind of interesting is, is many view the way sports betting got legalized is. Because of the growth of the daily fantasy industry, um, in 2015 there was like a huge ad campaign that like everyone was like, "What the hell is this?" This is kind of like betting, um, and because it, it is, and it kind of was that bridge that brought it to the mainstream. So uh, I'll always have a little bit of a soft spot for the daily fantasy. Um, so kind of a common question is like, what type of leagues are available? Really, there there's different types of uh, games, so they're not really leagues, but there's two overarching types of leagues, uh, and they're very similar to poker. Uh, so if you have any background in poker, this might make a little bit more sense to you, but there's cash games, which is where uh, you're you're going to win right around 50% of the time, obviously more if you're skilled, less if you're not skilled. Uh, and in these cash games, you're either playing against one other player, or sometimes you're playing in bigger Contests which are 50-50s or double-ups, or sometimes you'll play against like 50, 100, or even thousands of players. And the whole objective is just to finish in the top half of those. So if you're playing head-to-head, you're trying to beat the person you're playing against. Uh, but if you're in these 50-50s or double-ups, you're just trying to get in the top half. There's no advantage of being in first place or 50th place if you're in a 100-person contest. As long as you're in that top 50%, you get paid the same, whether you're first or 50th. So it kind of, you know, we'll get into strategy in a second, but that those are cash games. Um, those are kind of, you know, you're not going to win nearly as much money. You're pretty much going to come close to doubling up your money if you win those. But you also are going to win way more frequently um, than you will in tournaments. So tournaments is the second uh, form of DFS. These are where you see the commercials, the guys holding the big checks and like, you know, essentially you're winning the lottery a lot of times. Um there's different formats for tournaments, but kind of the overarching theme is the same uh usually the tournaments are thousands tens of thousands type uh fields uh every Sunday I know draftkings has a million dollar maker so like first place gets first gets a million dollars so they they're the opposite of cash games where there's an incentive to obviously finish to the top close to the top uh and actually some tournaments are even more top heavy. Um, So you actually, it entices you to even kind of shoot for the stars even more. Um, So while the payouts are a lot higher in these tournaments, you can obviously probably uh, see that you're going to win a lot less of the time. And even if you're the best in the world, you're still only going to win. Sometimes it's five to six percent of the tournaments you enter, but actually probably less than that. Um, So everyone's favorite question how do you win, right? What are the locks? How do you win at DFS? <clears throat> well, the, just like in long, you know, season-long fantasy football, the, the name of the game is value. In, in traditional fantasy football league, you find value by drafting well. So maybe a guy falls on the draft board that you get at pick 30, you should have been going at pick 15. Or maybe you pick up a great free agent who, you know, an injury occurs, something of that nature. Or maybe you make a trade with somebody in your league who doesn't know what the hell they're doing and you just kind of, you know, you rob them blind or whatever you want to call it. But you can't do that in DFS. Those avenues are are not available. So you kind of just find value by determining which players are just underpriced based on their salary because every player is assigned a new salary for each game. So the strategy obviously gets all more specific based on the format and things of that nature, but the foundation is just finding that value. So basic strategy for cash games. Remember, cash games is where you're expecting to win right around 50% of the time. Uh, if you're playing head-to-head, you're just trying to beat your opponent. If you're playing in those 50-50s or double-ups, you're just trying to be in the top 50%. So the kind of the basic strategy there is, uh, you're looking for value, but you're also looking for for players that have a reasonable floor. You don't want anyone to get you a zero, you know, or even you know just a couple of points. You want them to get a reasonable floor, a solid median expectation, um, so they don't get you zero points. The now, titans. upside, the titans, yeah, you want Derrick Henry exactly. You want the Titans. Um, so while upside's not a bad thing, you know, upside meaning they have a they crazy some game and score a bunch of points, but you obviously you don't get rewarded for being first, second, or third, so upside's not nearly as important as median. That you know, getting that solid, safer play. Um, so, like I said, it shouldn't be avoided, but it's not nearly as important as median or floor pro- projections. On the other hand, in tournaments, uh, the strategy gets a, a, way more complicated. Um, you know, obviously you want value, but there's also way more factors that go into determining the optimal plays. Overall tournaments uh, encourage more risk. So the higher you place, the more money you make. So you're trying to kind of separate yourself from the rest of the field. Um, so there's different strategies for doing that. Um, one way to do that is it's called stacking players. So team players who are positively correlated, so like a quarterback and his receiver or two of his receivers or maybe a quarterback, a receiver, and his tight end. Because obviously if the tight end has a great game, then we're assuming the quarterback's going to have a great game. So if the quarterback has a great game where you know, he's got to throw the ball to somebody, so his receiver and his tight end. Um, so that's a pretty basic strategy. Another common way to separate yourself is to be contrarian. So if there's a play that like everyone's playing that week, you might not play them because if they have a really bad game or let's say they get injured really early in the game, it separates yourself. If, if you know, 60% of the people in the tournament have that one player and he sucks, well, you just separated yourself from 60% of the field and, you know, you kind of diversified yourself. Also conversely, if you're playing somebody that isn't expected to have a good game or isn't expected to be owned or that popular and they have a great game, you give yourself more leverage um, so it's kind of like a higher reward. Um, so yeah, it, strategy gets way more specific based on the game you're in. Um, the more top-heavy, what I mean by top-heavy means like the if the percentage of the payouts go more to the first, second, or third, it really increase. It, it it optimal strategy is be even riskier. You should be taking players that like no one else is owning. I mean, you don't want to be playing backups, obviously, but but there there's, that gets into way more complicated strategy. That if you're interested in this, I, I highly encourage you you read and, and uh, kind of learn more about. Uh, but this is just kind of an overall introduction to it. Uh, the best way to learn about DFS is to play. You shouldn't expect to win much at first, uh, but if you study in industry, reflect on your progress, and practice sound money management, you should st- make steady progress over time. I have to admit, it is a lot of fun. I've only been taking it seriously for about two to three years. Last year, when I was living in Vegas, I, I couldn't play it. I was pretty upset. <clears throat> Truth be told, I, I drove to California a couple of times to put lineups in and then I kind of reevaluated my life. I said, oh, let me, let me focus on some other things here. Uh, but I am very, very excited to be able to play it again this year. Uh, anything jump out to you there, Rob, about good old DFS, which like I said, you cannot play in Arizona with you and your, uh, Scottsdale finance buddies this weekend.
0: That's super rude
1: and messed up. No, um,
0: You mostly focused on football. Some, like, dumb high-level questions. Can you do it for other sports? Is NFL also the sharpest in daily fantasy like it is in regular sports betting?
1: Great question. Uh, You can do daily fantasy for pretty much any American sport, uh, WNBA, all that stuff. So the sharpest uh, is not football. Football, you get a lot of recreational players. Tournaments are pretty sharp. But baseball is, is fairly sharp, uh, just more numbers based. Uh, it's kind of more stat head driven. You know, if you're if you're 2019, I mean, I, I you and I both grew up loving baseball. But if you're 2019 and like you absolutely love baseball, you're probably a numbers guy or some variation of a nerd. Uh, which which I am I do identify a little bit as that but uh, so kind of your competition there is going to be people that are familiar with advanced stats and things of that nature but football especially the cash game and that's what I play I don't play tournaments um, that's on my list down the line to to learn more about but right now I focus more on cash games and my season long leagues so there's a lot more overlap in that uh, but no basketball um, is is fairly big it's on my list to to learn. Uh, but the only tournaments I've ever really played was baseball, and that's just because of the variance of, of a baseball game. But we'll we'll save that for for March podcasts once uh, college basketball is coming to an end and we start previewing baseball stuff like that. But very good question. Anything else about DFS? Um, I
0: think we talked about this months ago, but uh, VPN service was not able to get you like a fake location according to some computer <laughs> to get you. Where you needed to be.
1: Um, hypothetically, if I were to have tried that, it would have not have worked. That's all. That's all I'll say about that. But yeah, my forty-five minute drive to um, to Prim was fun. And after the second week of it, I said, "Let's spend our time other places." <laughs> right, Prim is gorgeous in in October. I will say that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, like I said, I'll post that to the website. I'll post my AFC and NFC previews. I'll tweet out my bets. Um, and, and please interact. Please ask us questions. It's it's a, it's a hell of a time to be alive. You know, you don't have to hang out with family or go outside, anything like that. So, um, really, it's just the the prime of our lives right now. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, give us feedback. And, and starting next week, we'll kind of have our normal uh, schedule where we'll kind of review games, preview upcoming games, And focus on handicapping tools and and ways to kind of improve, uh, your betting, uh, skill and and your betting knowledge. Uh, but other than that, is there anything we we should, uh, leave the listeners with there, Rob?
0: Uh, no, I'm looking forward to fullback yoga winning my, uh, (laughs) winning my little league,
1: dude. I'm excited as well. Uh, I'm also excited to hear about your, uh, your time with the, the bros in Scottsdale this weekend.
0: You got it, dude. You'll get the full recap.
1: All right. Well, I'll see you and everybody else next week. Peace.